Lord, you are worthy. We stand in your presence now, Lord, and we just want to give you all the worship and all the praise. And we desire, Lord, that you would take this time, this service, and Lord, that you would come and you'd be real, real to us. May this not just be a time where we've come and come time of duty and come time of Wednesday night and we came a little early and had a little time of prayer that was wonderful but Lord now we desire that you would break the bread of life to us first Lord I'd ask that you forgive us of all our iniquities Lord forgive us of every sin every trespass of all the things that so easily beset us Lord Forgive us of those things, Lord, that, Father, that we might receive from you. May there not be any blockages, Lord. May all the channels of our life be clean. And, Lord, may all the dross, all the negativity, anything that's there, be blown out of our lives, out of these channels, out of these places, Lord. So, Father, that you can come and pour your oil and pour into our lives, Lord that we can be a people that is uh, passionate and on fire for you, Lord. But Lord, we don't just want to have mundane Christian lives, but we desire to be passionate, Lord. Souls that are on fire for you with meaning in our lives. We don't want to walk this earth, though there's places that are beautiful and things that we like, but may we not walk, Lord, in a way of meaningless, Lord. But may, Father, we walk in your will and in your ambition and your desire, Lord. This is our desire, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, for forgiving us, Lord. And I pray, oh God, now that by your spirit that you would minister to every soul that's in the building here this evening. Lord, they're all precious sons and daughters of yours. Some of us, Lord, has been in the, in the way serving you a long time. We love you, Lord, but we desire more. There are some today, Lord, that never have met you and they desire to meet you. And Lord, may you come sweetly, Lord, to them and minister personally. Let them know the reality of Jesus Christ. Lord, sometimes we get caught up in things and the darkness around us of Satan's forces get upon our lives and stick to us in such a way that oh we're bothered we cannot break free into your presence I pray in the name of Jesus Christ just now by the authority of God's word may every demon spirit be broken this evening and may the power of liberty the power of the Holy Spirit the power of love May it come in the building, Lord, and fill every dark place, Lord, that once was dark but now is broken, and may new light come in there, Lord. Oh, God, we call upon your name. May people shake off the old depression spirits. May they shake off all the negativity, Lord. May they shake out all the vomit of Satan that's come against them. I pray, oh, God, and they would be freed in liberty in the Holy Spirit tonight. Oh, may the signs follow them that believe. 
Oh God, you said that we, if we speak your word and we stay with your word, that you will manifest yourself in our lives, Lord. So we believe it without a shadow of a doubt, Lord, that you will free your people. You will give them strength tonight, we ask. We give you praise, Lord. The people of God love you with all of their heart. Thank you for coming, Lord, and may you now minister through my lips, Lord, as I get out of the way, Lord, and ask you to take over my life. Father, may you do the speaking today, Lord. Less of me and more of you, Lord, I'm praying. I feel your presence, Lord, and I'm thankful for it. May the love of Jesus Christ now minister to your people. We thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Can you say hallelujah? Amen. God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you again this, this uh, evening. And we missed you last Sunday. We, we, we weren't home. And my, you know, when you're not home, you kind of miss one another. And so we're so grateful that we can be home with you, amen, this Wednesday. And thank you, Brother John, for extending the invitation again, as always, to allow me to minister the gospel. Amen. Greetings from the church in Kelowna. Amen. Brother Jonah Emke is the pastor there in, uh, in Kelowna Tabernacle. And we just want to say thank you to Brother Jonah and the saints there. And they treated us really nice. And um, I, I don't know if some of you know Sister Iris Drake and, and uh, her mother. Anyhow, they, they allowed us to stay at their home and they treated us really lovely. And just uh, real daughters of God that, amen, treated my wife and, and, uh, and I very well. So greetings from them. And uh, Sister Victoria, your son is with us today. Amen. I, it's escaped my memory, his name. Sorry, sir. What's your name? It's all right. God bless you. Well, I'm happy that you could be here with us and just feel welcome. And yeah, brother and sister Childers, Elias and sister Rachel, you had an anniversary. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so they're married a little longer and they're a little wiser. Amen. So God richly bless you. Amen. Sister Nathan and sister Rachel also had an anniversary, I think, last week. So <laughs> amen. We just want to say God richly bless you. These are all the things Brother John asked me to mention, and so praise the Lord. Amen. Praise his name. Let's go into the Bible now to Isaiah chapter 66, and I don't have the slides this evening. I thought we would open our Bibles today, and we would read from them. I felt in my heart to encourage you to bring your Bibles to the house of God. Sometimes when we have everything on the screen, then we, <clears throat> we don't pick up our swords and use them in the service, I know you use them at home, but uh, in the service we don't use them so much. So let's turn into Isaiah chapter 66, and we're going to read verse 1 and 2. And then if you have your Bibles handy, we'll also go to Matthew chapter 5. So let's start in our scripture as we encourage one another in the Lord. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1 and 2. Thus saith the Lord. I, I, I like that. I have confidence when we start out with thus saith the Lord. I have confidence in the word for this hour when it is spoken and then the prophet of God ends the phrase or the paragraph with and this is thus 
saith the Lord. So the scripture says, thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. It seems to me like he covers heaven and he covers earth. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? These are questions through inspiration that the Lord Jesus is speaking to Isaiah, asking, telling us that I cover the heavens and I cover the earth. As we read in scripture, I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. But here's the question. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? Verse 2. For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. May the Lord bless the reading of his word and we can sit down together and let's fellowship around God's word. Amen. We're thrilled about God's word. Heavens and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. I take courage in those scriptures. I I like to have a firm foundation. I like to know where I'm standing. I don't like to be a a a person that is wishy-washy one day believing over here and the next day changing my mind. I like to know and be steadfast in thus saith the Lord. And so we're reading now as I, as I just look at this scripture, where is my house that I might live in is a question. In whom will I dwell in and find rest? I think these are good questions. He says, I, I, I'm not moving in just any type of house. I'm not just going to, you know, by chance or make a rush of it to move in some sort of haphazard building. I'm not going to move in a house that is built upon sand. The foolish, the scripture said, builds their house upon the sand. And when the trials and tribulations come, when the rains come, as the scripture says, that sand is too loose, it's too flimsy, it has no status, it begins to allow the house to build and to fall. And so we would like to build our house upon the word of God. And it's got to be one that's fashioned honorably unto the Lord. Now, we're speaking not just of a building, but we're speaking about buildings that are not made by hands. We will look at the original building, which is our Lord Jesus Christ, that which was inspired without sin. But you and I are a being that has been born again by the Spirit of God, and because of our new nature, Christ Jesus can come and live on the inside of you and I. So, you know, God wants a person. He wants an individual that will not override his commands. What house will you build for me? He says, I want a a man or a woman that is willing to subject themselves willingly unto my word. 
I want a person that is willing to look at my commandments, look at what I've asked, and, 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 and follow my directions. I desire this person to yield, to yield with open hands, with open arms to my command. He says, one like Christ Jesus, but what should this man look like? It should reflect him as he is, reflect him in his spiritual character and his spiritual nature. Now, the scripture says to him that is poor and that has a contrite spirit. And we're going to read in Matthew chapter 5 in just a moment as Jesus begins to unfold a sermon of the Beatitudes. He desires to instill a key. Uh, he desires to instill within the people an understanding of how to reach him. And he begins there as in Isaiah 66, desiring to have somebody that's poor in spirit or somebody that has a contrite heart and trembleth at every word of God. Now our Lord Jesus being the first begotten, I want you to notice that he said, I do nothing unless the Father first showed me. He had a trembling within his heart, within his own being. Now, this was the word that was made flesh. This was Jesus that what came to this earth without sin. He was the first creation, and yet that Jesus said, I tremble at my own word. I keep my own word. I desire that own word to come up and be spoken through my life. When Satan came to tempt Jesus, and it was there that Jesus was tempted. What did Jesus do? He used his own word to fight the gates of the enemy. And so we desire to use the word and tremble. Do as the Father desires us to do according to his word. If you'll now open to Matthew chapter 5. And I, I'd like us to read here. And we're going to read verse, verses 1 and See where we get down to verse 12. But I want you to notice the prophet of God, Brother Brandon, would say that the Beatitudes, there stands a picture of Christ. We want to see Christ. We want to see Christ not up 2,000 years ago. We want to see Christ that has paid for our sins and now is living in temples of the holy, of holy people. Know ye not that ye are the temple? Here in 2024, on October, February 14th, God desires to see men and women that are vessels. Now we speak an awful lot about fellowship and having vessels unto the Lord, but I think this is a, a, a something that the Lord keeps recurring and you know, speaking to our hearts and asking us to become more like him and more in fellowship with him because there's coming a time where we're going to live in eternity with him. Hallelujah. And it's only they that are like him in his image that will be caught up with him. Amen. We can speak about all kinds of do's and don'ts or some mystery or things that would impress our hearts, but if we're not fashioned or when our, our temples are not ready for the Holy Spirit to vibrantly live in our lives, friends, we're going to be stuck in this here environment that we are living in, we'll be caught up in a time of tribulation. And I don't desire, Cynthia, to be anywhere near the time of tribulation. 
So Brother Brandon would say there's a stanza picture of Christ. It's Christ revealed in his own word. Matthew chapter 5 now reading from the Holy Scriptures as Matthew begins to detail what Jesus has spoken. And there's the account of seeing the multitudes. He went up into the mountain and when he, sat, when he, he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now my sermon title this evening is Blessed Are They, and I put a few dots behind it. Blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they. I want us to see tonight in the conclusion of our thoughts this evening is that you are the blessings of God that are poor in spirit. I want you to see, Brother Solomon, that you fit in this scripture. I want us to see that our, our lives are, are, are not just negative bunches of, of flesh walking around and criticizing, but we have love for one another and have the meekness of the Holy Spirit on the inside. <laughs> we're not going to get nowhere unless we have the nature of Christ, the spirit that we're talking about, that contrite spirit with the inside of our lives. Don't kid yourself tonight. It goes right from the pulpit, right to the back pew. Every single one of us have to be in the same place that I'm preaching tonight. The same people need to come to that place where the poor in spirit come about and theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah, we are a kingdom people. We want to sit at his throne, majesty and high, sit with him in his throne. And so we must be that poor in spirit and blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I want to pause here just a moment here inflecting on this word mourning. Now, mourning, you know, we can mourn due to our, our natural losses. If you've lost something or or maybe something's happened in your life. And, and Jesus understands our natural losses. You know, when we have somebody that goes by the way of the grave, a, a husband, a wife, a child, an aunt or an uncle, we, we know in our hearts that we don't, we don't mourn or we don't cry out like, like the world does because we recognize, oh, death, where is your sting? Or grave, where is your victory? The, the bee of, of death has come, and, but our Lord Jesus has conquered all hell in the grave. But yet in our natural beings, we, we mourn. And, uh, and, and I believe that it is good, it's healthy for us to remember the good things of those that have gone before us and begin to really think about the good memories of, of that which they have done. It's no sense to remember all the negativity parts of people. It's good to mourn and think about what, uh, the loss that we had. But our Lord Jesus says, look, I will comfort you. You will mourn, you'll come into this place, but I will comfort you. But this is not the only meaning of this scripture here, blessed are they that mourn. 
Because there's a greater vision of this, blessed are they that mourn, meaning, and we can find a representative. Now, through the scripture, you can find many representatives of this, but Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 4, gives us a real healthy look at what it means to mourn. It says here in Ezekiel 9, verse 4, And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the forehead of the men that sigh and cry for the abominations. In one place, Brother Brown begins to look at those people that have that sigh, that mourning, that groaning with inside their life are those that are filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the love of God is on the inside. It's an agape love, a love that goes beyond your faults. You know, we love such an affilial way, and we'll talk about it in just a minute, but you know, one day we love today, and we can, we can uh, pour out our graces and, and buy chocolates and roses and suits and ties, and we can say you're the greatest thing since last Monday, and you're just wonderful. And in the next moment, when somebody irritates you or somebody doesn't do what you like, suddenly you hate them. Suddenly you have such anger, such feelings on the inside. I want you to notice that kind of love, that feeling of love, is what people do when they kill one another or destroy one another or use poor words against one another. So we are people of God that have the nature, that love of God, the capstone ministry in our lives. And we are those people that the scripture says, blessed are they that sigh and cry. Blessed are they that worry about the things that are around them, calling Lord Jesus. Lord, you see the situation. Now we realize in the end time, we realize that this is Sodom and Gomorrah, Lord, but we still look at the time for their souls. We have that great yearning without a desire our beings. We men that sigh and cry for the abominations thereof. So blessed are they that sigh and cry, that groan in the spirit of God. I, I, I want you to think for a moment, groan in the spirit of God. In prayer, in, in a reflection, in time of communication with God, in fellowship with God, you come to such a place in such a Time of worship, not just praise. Praise is what we do when we raise our hands and clap our hands. No, we come in a time of reverence and intimacy in that holy place of worship where we know not what to do. The angels of God, in the temple of God, in the presence of God would say, holy, 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 hallelujah. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when a human flesh gets in the presence of God and into that place of the holiest of holies where we stand before him, the king of glory, our words cannot even express it. We groan in the spirit. Our hearts cannot express our thoughts. I trust today, friends, that you would come into that place with God. Come into that holy place of God. It's not just enough to come and dry eye prayers and, and maybe maybe just some wet prayers or some praise. No, to get in and begin to groan. Blessed are they that mourn, that groan in the presence of God. 
I want to tell you like this, it is a cry in which the Spirit of God within you gives forth utterance. Oh, man, my, 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 let it catch fire, Jesus. Let it catch fire in our lives. That when we get in God's presence in our prayer closets or here in the church, that we come come in a place where the Holy Spirit on the inside of us begins to give forth utterance. Utterance in our lives. Hallelujah. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What is your hunger today? What is my desire? My desire is to live in the righteousness of Christ. Blessed are the merciful. Oh, friends, today we're not desiring a judge ourselves, are we? We're not looking for the lion to come forth and judge us here today. We're looking, we're still looking. There's blood on the mercy seat. The lamb is still there. Oh, he's still there interceding for you and I. It's perfect. It's holy. I'm looking to that lamb. Blessed are they that reflect the merciful God. Let's not desire to cut one another and bruise another one another. Just because you've done wrong, the prophet of God would tell us, you know, something we've all done wrong. Be merciful. Be merciful. Oh, you don't have to agree with the wrong, but you can say, Lord, help my brother. Help my sister. Help them see, the oh, God, the truth of your word. You believe that God can still do that for you and I? Well, he saved me. He saved you. What about somebody else? What well, so if somebody else is walking a little bit of a crooked road? Friends, God can save them too. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God. We desire to see him, don't we? That word see, I have it further in my notes. We probably would not get there tonight, but I want you to see this word see. That word see is like making an appointment with God. You shall have an audience with God. You ever phoned up the doctor and said, I'd like to see the doctor. I've got an issue. And those words, I need to see the doctors as I want to make an appointment with the doctor. And we want to be able to see God. We want to see him and and be commuting and be in his presence continually. And that takes a pure heart, a pure heart in God. So as we're reflecting now, don't forget our service sermon title this evening. Blessed are they. Blessed are they. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the meek and the pure in heart. Now, I believe as we're moving forward now in our thoughts this evening, I believe that the word beatitude should be really described as the blessed attitudes. Now, I'm not coming off the scripture. I'm just giving you my own reflection. Blessed attitudes. Now, an attitude is your objective and your motive, the prophet God would say. What kind of attitude you have? What is your objective 
And what is your motive? In the message supernatural, one liner here, Brother Brown says, it's the attitude of the people that brings the results. It's your attitude. The Beatitudes, your attitude, brings upon results. Poor in spirit, meek in spirit, humble in heart, loving God brings about the result of what? A supernatural nature. Brings about what we should be, how we should be acting. Brings about a people tonight that are ready for rapture. Your motive and objective. Now the attitude of the believer brings about this kingdom of God and we want to be part of it. So the kingdom attitude is meekness. Now being meek doesn't mean you're milk toast. Doesn't mean that you're a coward. Moses was the meekest man. He said that of himself by the inspiration of God that came through him. So it's not that you don't have any strength or you have to walk. No, meekness has to do with loveliness. There's a fragrance about you. It's not an ordinary, uh, an order. How do you say that word when you're negative? An ordinary, thank you, Brother John. And it's not that kind of attitude that you walk around and your life stinks. I mean, you can walk around and you can be so negative and your body language so stinky that you walk in and you infect the whole grouping of people. Well, we see it from time to time. But let's not see it or have it be counted amongst God's children. (laughs) Remember, he was merciful to you. So you need to have and put on the spirit of love, of loveliness. Be of that, that fragrance that comes in the building. Everybody loves to be around you. Listen, I can tell when somebody loves me. You know, you don't have to be spiritual to walk down the aisle and feel who loves you and who does not love you. (laughs) It might be a group full of people, you know, some, but there's just one that's negative and you feel it. But let's not be that way. Let's have this spirit of loveliness. It's like a fragrance. You, You know, have you ever flown in an airplane for long hours? Anybody in the building, long hours, 12, 14 hours. You know, and as they begin to descend, all of a sudden, there's a, a, a in the in the in the in the air conditioning vents. All of a sudden, you see the steam gulps, and as that goes, what is? It's a fragrance. I don't know what they put. Maybe it's essential oils or something. But it fills the airplane, and suddenly, all those hundreds of smelly folks. I've been coughing and choking and been using the back compartment, middle compartment, and the front compartment. With all those odors, suddenly all those smells vanish. Why? Because there's an air freshener that came into the airplane. What about human lives filled with God's presence? Such the beautiness of the Holy Spirit that you walk into the room. And it's not like, oh, so-and-so's here because they've got a beautiful dress or a good suit. But no, their spirit permeates. It floods, Sister Karen. It moves across the building. We used to have a brother that came to a church there in Edmonton. He was a wonderful brother. And, and you know, so we'd come to church and we'd have time of prayer and 
he would begin to intercede. And as he began to pray, he began to pour his heart out. And I want to tell you, that fragrance of the Holy Spirit began to fall upon that brother. And suddenly it caught fire. And before you know it, there was a sweet, beautiful substance that was in the building. Why? Because one person, one person desired to allow the spirit of righteousness, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of Jesus Christ. To be expressed through his life. Brother Branham says in this message in divine love, he says, then what type of people we ought to be if we're a Christian? That's a question. I didn't read it so much as a question, but he's asking what type of people ought we to be as Christians? What type of atmosphere should we have? Legitimate questions. Very good questions. Now he answers it. He says, in a consoling, a soothing, a healing atmosphere, we should live in with our hearts constantly in prayer, with a deep love for every person we come in contact with. This is, this is the prophet of God. Don't be shocked. This is the prophet of God. You have to be in a, a consoling and a soothing and a, a healing atmosphere. This is what you need to be like. Now measure yourself not by me or what I'm to, measure yourself by the word of God. Find out if there's still some growing need to do in your life. Are you consoled? Are you soothing? Are you a healing atmosphere? This is where we should be. Are you in a prayerful mode? Is your entire life focused upon Jesus Christ? We're not just talking about knee service now. We're talking about your entire life that's encompassed with fellowship with God. Right? You praise him for something good that's happened. You call upon his name in a negative situation. Thank him for the mundane times. I don't know, but you're praising God all the time. Whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley, you're praising God. But you also, you're so deeply in love with every person you come in contact with. Wow, Brother Steve, how is that going to work? But it's only going to take a godly love. The nature of Christ to look at your brother and sister and say, I love you as my family in God. And I wouldn't want to see nothing harm you or hinder you or hurt you. I want only the blessings. And when you're falling, I'm there to cover and protect you. Oh, Brother Brown was saying in Israel in the church too with this one little phrase. He says, the Holy Ghost is the love of God. Wow, that is a packed statement. I, 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 that is a packed statement. The Holy Ghost is the love of God. Now, I'm not here, friends. I definitely am not here for one moment to de-Christianize anybody or take the Holy Ghost away from them or say that you don't have it. This is for your own reflection. This is for your own uh, moment with Jesus Christ to know who you are, where you're standing with God. But if you don't love your neighbor as yourself, if you find in your heart murderous thoughts, you say murderous thoughts, how could it be? You know something, you will never murder somebody with a physical knife or a, or a gun, but your thoughts could go into that. If they would only, mm, if they would, I would just do harm. Mm. You got to think whether or not you've actually got the life of God. 
Listen, I'm talking right from the pulpit to the last. At the end of the pews, if you wave your hands over there, praise the name of the Lord. Our brothers and sisters there, we all have to come and analyze ourselves. If we don't love God and love God's people, I'm going to say it now really sharp and just hold on. I might pinch you just a little bit, but I don't mean to. If you don't have this love, pulpit to the pew, you don't have the Holy Ghost. Now remember, I'm not looking at anybody. Now we fall and we fail, but it's where the Lord picks us up and consciously we say, Lord, forgive me. David fell. He fell unconscious and consciously. But the Lord loved him because he could pick himself up and say, Lord, I'm sorry. That's the nature of Christ inside of you. Yes, you might say something wrong. Yes, you might be negative against a brother. But when the Holy Spirit comes in and says, that is not of me. That is not my reflection. All of a sudden, you drop to your knees as David said, I've sinned before you, God. I've sinned before you, God. I make it right, Lord. I call upon your name, loving your neighbor as yourself. Hallelujah. Do you love the Lord? Man, I love him. I love him with all my heart. Can I tell you something a little bit funny in I hope, and this would make a point, but I, I wanted to give you a little illustration that, that's funny. You know, there was a zoo one time that caged up a monkey and a lion together. In the enclosure, they put in a monkey and a lion. Now, those that walked by, they said, wow, what a marvelous thing. Having a, a lion and a monkey in the same cage. Now, I want us to recognize we're not in the millennium yet. Okay? And the visitor would say, you know, this is such a small zoo. Now, how in the world do those two get along? So the, the zookeeper stopped for a moment and said, well, well, usually, usually it's okay. But occasionally, they have a disagreement. And we have to get a new monkey. <laughs> Now, I'm asking an obvious question now. Why do they need to get a new monkey? Well, because, well, things were going good, and everybody agreed. It was good. But after a while, the lion started acting like a lion. The nature of the lion was still a lion. And as long, now here's the point, as long as the lion is still inside of us, there will always be a need to get new monkeys. That lion nature has to be taken out of you. Brother Brandon would call it the beastly nature. That human nature, that nature that Cain had, that killed his own brother Abel. It's got to be taken out of your life. There's another illustration about a little girl one time who, who, you know, who spent her whole day fighting with her little sister. And that evening they were preparing for bed and they were still mad as can be at each other. That's not a good thing. You got to resolve that before bed. You can't just go to bed with a little spat. That's not godly. We've got to come to the place where we forgive one another. What if 
Lord should call you home by morning. And you have an unforgiving spirit. Come on, think about it for just a moment. And so the sisters were fighting, and, they, and now it was time to, to kneel at their bedside for prayer. And so the one little girl said this, was about eight years old. She began to pray, oh, God, dear. Lord God, bless my daddy and my mother. Bless the cat and the dog. Bless the goldfish and everything else she blessed. And then she stopped, and her mother looked at her. And You know mothers do? How many has ever taught their children to pray? Yes, that's what we ought to do, teach our children to pray. And mother looked at her, poked her, and prodded her lead a little bit, and she said, didn't you forget somebody? And so the little girl glared across the bed at her six-year-old sister and said these words, and yes, Lord, bless my ex-sister. You know, that's what happens to us when we forget to love one another. And I'm going to say another little thing here that might be a little sharp. When we have church problems, church splits, people leave our assembly. And then we decide in our hearts that we're just not going to pray for them anymore because they're ex-family members. Where did that ever start? We're not going to love them anymore because the light of God is out of them. They left our church. Come on. Church, the building has no place. It's the Spirit of God in men and women. It's the Holy Ghost in men and women. And listen, we're we're not here to call one another this and that and dummies and this and be evil to one another. No, we're here to speak kindness. That would never be named amongst us that we stand in the pulpit and call another brother down but without his name. Well, you know such and such, but I can't tell him by name, but he's a dummy and his, all his elders are dummies. Listen, friends, that's, that's disgraceful. I'm sorry that I'm preaching this way. It's just a burden. When the Lord Jesus is saying, blessed are those who can be lowly in spirit to love and forgive. Yeah, amen. It's not our job to call somebody a snake in the grass. I want to tell you there once was a carpenter who didn't charge for doing finishing work. There once was a physician who healed the sick for free. And there was a man who fed the 5,000 with no charge. For such a man that loved and healed for free and loved and gave of himself, didn't have his own home. Foxes had holes, birds had nests, but the son of man had no place to lay his head. What did he say when they took him and hung him and on the tree and crucified him and called nasty words? spit upon him and ripped his beard from his face, put a crown of thorns and smashed it into his skull. What did he say? Father, forgive them. It wasn't just idle words. He was a struggling man that was trying to live on a cross, but yet in the weakness and in the toil and in the pain, he looked upon humanity and was a scapegoat for you and I, and yet could say, Father, Forgive them. 
This is what our likeness is, has to be. To possess the kingdom of heaven, we must be poor in spirit and meek and have a pure heart. This is not optional. I'm here, your brother, preaching in Bellingham to a wonderful church that I love with all my heart. And I'm telling you that this is not optional. Loving God and loving God's people is a requirement. Now, if we would look in our Bibles to Psalms chapter 1, if you'll turn there with me, we have just a few more minutes. Psalms chapter 1 and reading verse 1, it says like this, blessed, we're talking about the blessed tonight. Can you find yourself in the blessed? Yes. yes, I can find you there. I can find you there. Oh, we fall short, but let's cry out to God and pick ourselves up because we are the blessed of the Lord. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Think of that for a moment. Nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. Blessed is he, blessed are you, all that are possessors of God's royal redemption. The covenant that was given to you, the circumcision, not of the flesh, but of the heart. Blessed are those, blessed are you, that are the past from death unto life. There's an eternal being on the inside of you. You have passed from death unto life. This old flesh... It will be put in the ground if the Lord tarries and it will rise up again. But that nature that's inside of you is eternal. That's Christ. And blessed are you that have passed from death unto life. It's a covenant unto you. Blessed are those who don't lend their lives or lead their lives after the advice of the ungodly. Your mindset is not upon that which is ungodly or that which is not redeemed or that which is not filled with the Holy Ghost or that which is of a denomination. No, your heart meditates upon the law of God's word, the light of the hour for this day. Oh, blessed are those that doesn't go after Satan's Eden and run to and fro after the glitter and the lights of Satan. Blessed are those who don't stand with the position or thoughts or attitudes of sinners. I expect sinners to be negative. Co-workers that don't know Jesus and swear and cuss and fornicate and adulterist and do things at home that they should not. I expect of them to live these lives. But you that are called of God that's been redeemed we pray for those that have, have not written, received Christ, that we call upon, we are a witness. But the Lord has been so gracious and so kind to woo you to himself. And blessed are you that don't stand in the position of sinners. Yes, 
or attitudes of sinners or attitudes of the mockers. Blessed are those who have a relationship with God. Careful never to mock. Careful never to say a sharp thing. Careful. You may not understand something. You may not know what's happening. But never find this tongue of yours to come in mockery against something. Thus, unless it's God on the scene working something for his purpose or his glory. Blessed are those that have a relationship with God. A constant profession, a constant confession of him. Their delight, their delight, their only desire. It's like the most passionate thing that they got going in their lives. He's the delight of the Lord, the delight of God's word, the law of the Lord is in their life. To me, when I think of this, when I think the delight of the Lord, it means that when I wake up, I have a song of praise and joy unto the Lord. Because the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my light, the scripture says, and my salvation, and whom shall I fear? When I think of the Lord, when I think about his precepts, it's a delight. When I wake up, I, 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 I use my words, I profess, I, I, I confess, I consecrate to Jesus Christ. In this message, Uncertain Sound, now this is the longest quotation, and I'm sorry that I don't have it on the screen for you, but just follow along as I read. The Uncertain Sound in 1955 in paragraph 18 starting, Brother Branham says, any man or woman that's born of the Spirit of God knows where they stand regardless of what takes place or how many says yes or no. They know where they stand. We're speaking of those that have received of the blessedness of God. They know where they stand. Paragraph 18. Paragraph 19, he says, the man who possessed it, the woman who possessed it, oh, what a blessed person they are. No wonder David said they were blessed. The blessed person. Lay him upon, upon the operating table and take, try to cut the blessings out of him. You won't find it. It's a hidden power. It can't be seen. It can't be questioned. It's mocked. It's reviled against. But the power that's in you, friends, it's of God. I did, that's not me. That's not the prophet. I said that myself. And then reading again, it's a hidden something. Oh, but it's there. Every man and woman that's ever had it knew they got it. No uncertainty about it. You know, there's only an uns uh, 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 it's only a place of uncertainty is if you're not living according to the law of the Lord or the word of God. When you find yourself short, then you wonder. But if you can find yourself in the word of God, then you're certain. Amen. If you find yourself in the precepts, if you're reading God's word, it's a beat unto me according to your word, the good spots, the rough spots, whatever it takes, the stuff I don't understand. Lord, I take it into my life and I'm going to walk in it. There's nothing about being uncertain in that. You are certain. Every man that's born of the Spirit of God knows when he's passed from death unto life. Knows the place, the hour, the minute when death changed to life. 
When unbelief of the Bible changed to believe every word of it. When haughty, high-minded things passed to humble Christians, they know when death passed to life. Our entire life delights in the Lord. I want to say it like this. It's really too late for half-baked Christians. Half-baked Christians. Well, you know, Hosea, he speaks of it in Hosea 7 verse 8. He speaks of Ephraim is a cake not turned. What that really means is in the old times when they used to cook their bread, they, they used to pile up the coals and heat up the, 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 the hearth, and they would take a bread and they would place it inside on the hearth, and they would pile coals up around it. And as it began to bake, well, the hearth was hot, and it would bake the underside. And every few minutes, maybe 15 minutes, the, the lady of the house would have to go, and she would have to turn the bread over, and it would bake the other side. And then she would turn it over again, and she'd bake the other side. And they were flat loaves, and back and forth, and back and forth. And in Hosea's time, the bread then would become a solidly baked right-through cake. But what we're finding today, that we're finding ourselves boasting, as Ephraim did, to be a sacred people of God, yet not fully committed to him. Right. You can read that in Scripture. They were boasting. We're committed. We're committed to God. We go to church. We're message believers. We read the message. We're why people are so tossed about. Give me a gold star. I read it for this month. This is wonderful. And they look good. They dress right. They smile good. But on the inside, it's half-baked. It's burnt on the bottom, but the underside, it is completely burnt. And I don't know about you, but I don't like burnt bread. I like some real golden brown bread, you know. My wife made some really good bread the other day, which I can't eat because I don't eat carbohydrates, but I looked at it. It was lovely. I say that in case you're going to have me over for dinner. I'm, I'm free next week. I only eat steak. No, I, <laughs> praise the Lord, hey man, New York steaks, they're on sale at Winco, if anybody, <laughs> praise the Lord, God desires not to, for us to be that position of unbakedness, that place he wants us to be, that has substance, that's good and healthy for the consumer, which is Christ Jesus. You know, unbelievers, they are destined to destruction. We will read a continuance in our scripture here as, we're, as we were reading here in Psalms chapter 1. We, we would find out as I'm moving forward, the ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the, judge, in, in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. God knows his own. Amen. Blessed are those that have received the promise of God. Here it is. We read verse 3. And he shall be planted like a tree. Uh, like He shall be planted like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth his fruit. In his season, his leaves shall not wither, 
And whatsoever he doth shall prosper. Blessed is he that is in the river of water. It's Christ Jesus, the river of water. If you'll turn over in your Bibles just for a moment to Psalms 32, verse 1. We read it here, and blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Aren't you glad for that? Yeah, I'm really happy for that, Brother John. Because if there was the biggest transgressor, I would say I was that one. Maybe you'd say that of yourself, but I'm so thankful. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins the Lord doth not count against him. Why? Because he's sitting in the living water. He's drinking from the life of God. Now, there's an example I'd like to give you just as we're closing. Of a woman that Jesus meets. Now, of course, they're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to hinder Jesus. But Jesus shows forth this really beautiful psalm by saying here, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Because this woman, she's caught in adultery. Are you following me tonight? My mind is trying to find out where I can land the helicopter. It's 8.59, so just let me relax for just a moment. I think this is really important because we are all transgressors. But here comes this woman, and, and she's accused. And then Jesus, he, when he had lifted up himself, and, and after he had written in the, in, the, in the sand or in the dirt and he had said those wonderful words, if you have sinned, be that, you know, they that have sinned, cast the first stone. And suddenly he lifted himself up and there was, there was none but the woman, the Bible says. And he saith unto her, woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? I mean, moments ago, they were all standing around. She was under transgression. She actually was in that state of adultery. She was caught. And But Jesus, he points out and he writes in the sand and discerns people's hearts. And she says, verse 11, she says, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Now this is the wonderful part, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Go and sin no more. There's an out. Sin has been covered. The price has been paid. Now, in closing, this is my last illustration, and you will reflect upon it. It's a different way spoken in Hosea, but you'll find out it's the same idea of a transgression and a redemption. So there's this little illustration of a young beautiful woman who stood on the platform in front of an auctioneer. These vile and greedy men stood below engaging and bidding and warring for the price of the slave market. There was a man who walked 
And uh, he was just coming from the, 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 the bargain house there to sell real estate property. And he had just sold an uh, extremely valuable piece of his property. And it was worth a handsome sum of money. And he had taken it, was walking, and he was wanting to take it back with him so that he could further his business. But as he was walking, he heard the jeering and the calling and the negativity and the vileness, and he was unable to keep him or help himself to wonder what was really going on in that slave market. And so he entered into that slave market and was surrounded. Now, he was surrounded by the vile. He was surrounded by the greedy. He was surrounded by those that were engaging in this hateful behavior, but yet he himself had no part or no inward part of this vileness amongst for this woman. But he began to look at this sad case, and he couldn't help himself, and he began to enter into the bidding for this woman. Higher and higher the price soared until the last a desperate attempt, it, it cost the amount of the whole price of the sum in which he sold his great property for his wealth. He gave it all. And as he was signing the document of ownership, this young woman was brought to him. She was led over to him. And as she had no thought, she thought that this woman was exact, a man was exactly like all the others, she lashed out. And with her long fingernails, she struck him and cut his cheek. And, and the blood trickled down and she spat in his face and was angry and she was defiant. But he continued to sign her name. As her defiance was all over his face, he did not look and change his mind. He continued in the signature. Then he handed the papers, and as he handed the signed papers, he turned around and he walked down the road. She glanced up and she was surprised of this man's nature or what was he doing? So she glanced down at the papers that were laying there. As she could read it, it read, you're free. He had signed the papers and made a documented note that the woman was free. She could go on her way. He had paid the available price. He had given it all. And according to the papers, she could walk free. Now suddenly, she got overwhelmed. What had this man done for her? Such a hefty price, selling such a great thing. What was she gonna do? She had a choice before her. You and I were faced with a choice this, like this. You and I were in a place where we were, we were, we were sitting amongst this vile uh, world and we were, we, we were born into it in sin. We, we grew up in it. We were in a place where everybody was lying, cheating and stealing. Everybody was hurting. You couldn't trust anybody. 
And then the Lord Jesus, he came by and he was wondering, you're in the auction block. Satan was desiring to sell you off to drugs and alcohol and prostitution, churchanity and and some sort of Roman Catholic faith or whatever it might be. He desired to strip you and hurt you. And and, and here comes uh, the gentleman, the Lord Jesus. And he begins to bid on your behalf. Well, it was just common nature. We struck at him. We, we, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know any better. We, we, we spat on him, we, but he kept wooing us. Can you identify with that today? I don't, it doesn't matter what station of life where you could sat in a pew all your life. But every time you denied the word, you spat on him. Every time you said, I'm not going to uh, abide by the principles of this message, you spat on him. Listen, friends, we, we, until you gave your heart completely unto the Lord Jesus, what did we find her doing after she found herself knowing that she was losing the very thing that saved her life? She ran as fast as her little legs could take her down the street, and she caught up, her, up to him, and she threw her arms around the legs of this man and, and said, I'm willing now to be your servant. How's your attitude to the Lord Jesus? Do we have that attitude in our hearts that we feel blessed to be following him? Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. Blessed are they that are meek. They that are those that are living in a place with a pure heart. Blessed are they. Where's your attitude? The be attitudes. Where is your motive and objective? What is it all in serving the Lord? Is it to become something, part of a group, heard in the community, or is it to be the servant of Christ, he that paid it all? Let's land the helicopter. May the Lord bless you today. Maybe the Lord will help us speak on some more of these things. Let's stand together. We are blessed for our sin and, con- and our, our, our captivity was imputed unto Jesus Christ. It was credited unto him. Lord Jesus, we love your word because it is eternal. There's so much we can reflect in it. I, I know some time ago, maybe a year maybe ago, Brother John preached a wonderful message on Blessed are the poor in spirit. It would be real good for us to go back and listen to that archive again. But Lord, we're coming at it at a different angle because it's your desire that I did so today and maybe move forward in a different aspect or different look. But the bottom line is, Father, we need to be a people that is yielding, yielding, yielding in order to be blessed. So help us, Lord, I pray. If there be any foolishness, any wickedness in our hearts, Lord, forgive us. Let us be like David even tonight. This is not an ordinary service, Lord. You're here, and every time you're here, it's not ordinary. It's never the same. It's always just wonderful, original. So, Father, here we are. Here we are, Lord. You're working in our hearts this meditation of my heart before you and the thought that you put before my, my mind and my heart, Lord, was for a reason. It's for somebody. It's not for my wasting of breath. Amen. 
in this building. Today you called these people, your people, to come to this house. To gather as they are. It's not by chance. There's nothing we could do to try to wrangle them in or persuade them or No, you brought them here, Lord. And you, Lord, have spoken words from the message, from the scripture, Lord, from different places that have scripture and message, Lord, that would touch our hearts. I pray, God, that we would allow it to touch us today. Blessed are they that are poor in spirit. Blessed that are meek, those, O God, that have a pure heart. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and you just before the Lord, just before the Lord, you and Him. May you just speak your heart. Speak your heart, say, Jesus, I'm here. I desire to. Stand with you in the throne. I don't want to be caught outside the throne. I don't want to be standing there on the judgment side. I want to be judging myself already here, Lord. I want to be united with you, in love with you, Lord, in such a place, a husband and wife relationship. So, Father, with our hearts and our lives open, we open our lives, our doors to our lives, and we say, Father, create in me a clean heart. Father, you know that I'm speaking from now from my depths of my being to the people. I say with David, create in me, Lord, a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. When something comes, Lord, that I don't like, may I have that renewed spirit. We fight against it many times. Help us, Lord, we pray. We are blessed, Lord, in your presence. In Jesus Christ's name. Brother Solomon, lead us in a song.